Hello, welcome to From the Rookery End, uh, another podcast in June, in the summer. And uh, it's a special one to sort of uh, to look back. So my name's John, uh, with me is Mike. Good morning. This is the, definitely the earliest we've ever done one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half past eight in the morning. Lovely. And how long are we doing this podcast, Mike? This is our eighth counter. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Wheat, acht. Eighth <laughs> season, yeah. Um, and, and these podcasts are our take on life as a Watford fan. Uh, and life as a Watford fan changed five years ago today. When we were finally, and I'll get, stress that word finally in a bit later, had new owners uh, in the Pozzo family. Five years ago today, Gino became our overlord, no, uh, owner. <laughs> and we just want to look back at, at sort of what's happened over those five years um, and to remember everything that they've done for us. Uh, like the Monty Python sketch, what did the Romans ever do for us? Well, what did the Pozzos ever do for us? Uh, and we're going we're to talk through that. Mike, let, let's start just before they turned up we had 14 months with Lawrence Bassini as the owner of Watford FC he was a character yeah it's almost difficult to put yourself back into that emotional place as to how how we were feeling at that time and I know we were getting increasingly upset worried exasperated concerned and cross basically as his disastrous tenure played out and uh, more and more, more and more, sort of tidbits were coming out about just how bad it was under under Bassini, and uh, yeah, it's very difficult to go back. But he was, I, I, I did go back on mm. purpose before we recorded this. On the way over to your house, I went back, listened to episode three point one, which was the first episode that we did, um, where the Pozzos were the owner, and we went back over the the last few months of of Lawrence, and he was a man who promised on things that we all knew he was never going to promise. And like you say, then over the, the, the months beforehand, he was the man contacting the Watford Observer to get his, you know, story out there as much as he could, and, and no, nothing was ever backed up. I'll tell you who he was. He was a footballing and slightly more malicious Donald Trump. Because <laughs> what he did, he had this habit of doing ever so small things that he promised he'd do. So I remember he changed some of the seats in the rookery. Yep. in the rookery end. Um, change the PA system. Change the PA system, and and incredibly, just as much as um, people still support Trump in the face of overwhelming evidence that he's doing um, doing the United States a disservice, people would point to those things and say, "Well, hang on, he's only been there a period of time, and he is slowly but surely doing the things he'd he said he was doing. He's changed two hundred seats in the in the rookery. He's going to get a new big screen." Well, yeah, so the four things he said he did was one with the seats, two was the big screen. Three was 11 players he brought in, and the PA system. They were the four things in, the, in his last sort of official thing that he put on the club website. They were the things that he had done. Like you say, when we definitely look back now, it's, it's inconsequential things. He also said he was going to build a new stand and call it the Graham Taylor stand. Yeah. So he knew what he was doing. He, he was trying just to... He was never, ever going to make a success of what football club. He knew what he was in it for, and I think everyone now can draw their own conclusions. Um... If he's as litigious as Donald Trump, I'm probably going to going to stop there for, for for our own sake. But it was evident what he was in it for, and he used those. He was pernicious. He was evil. He played on football fans' emotions. But the stuff like, oh yeah, I'm going to knock that down and call it the Graham Taylor stand. What that meant was that people would think, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, fair play. You understand the history of the club. But it also meant that if it ever did happen, which we felt was likely he could take credit for it yep that's my idea come to fruition and he was just a just a nasty nasty piece of work um i think at the time um we were in and about the club we were doing we were doing interviews at the training ground and so on and so forth and we were getting a little bit of 
information back from from inside the club just how bad things were that we weren't necessarily able to share so it's it was frustrating it was it was heartbreaking really wasn't it because it's slightly sort of paradoxically on the pitch it had almost had a bit of a galvanising effect, didn't it? We were doing doing all right and turning in some decent performances under under Sean Dyche in particular. And yeah, it was peculiar because and and again, football supporters being football supporters, while things are on on, on the pitch, okay, outwardly facing everything uh, was was potentially all right, but inside, you know, Rome was Rome was well and truly burning and. Um, yeah, nearly burnt to the nearly burnt to the ground. Uh, I think the, yeah, the, the the true moment where it all started coming out was when he uh, demanded the keys to the safe, incredible, um, and and didn't get them. But then that summer, the summer of two thousand and twelve, London held the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Lloyd Doyley was celebrating his testimonial, and we were starting to get to know the Pozzo family. Now, one of the things that Lawrence did was apparently was 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 uh, increasing debt uh, and and or debtors, and the first thing the Pozzos did was just. Hinder us with loans. Hinder us. <laughs> Not, what, bank loans or player loans? Player loans. Yeah, I mean, at that time, um, I mean, the first thing we had to get over was obviously... Um, it, Let's not forget they got rid of Sean Dyche and mm. uh, it was on the on on the back of a of a decent season. Dyche then, of course, went on to Burnley and had had success there. So they weren't. It wasn't necessarily straight in and straight in and, and happy days. But bringing those players in, whilst there was a lot of them, and it changed the face of the squad immediately and Watford virtually overnight in the grand scheme of things became unrecognisable it's quite exciting to see some new faces we hadn't heard of most of them well I I dare say we hadn't heard of any of them I'm trying to wrap my brains as to if there's anyone we might have heard but I don't think so but at least there was an element of dare I say it's sort of a bit of glamour so a bit of change, players coming in from from abroad, but there was a lot, and that's that was the worry. Again, it's really hard to take us back to that first few months of the 2012-2013 season when all these loanees had come in. We'd seen good, positive things in terms of how they played, but there were worries still at that point, not now, but at that point of losing an identity. I don't agree with that. I think Watford supporters even who- a little bit. Well, potentially, yes. I think you're right. You're right. I think there were there were plenty of Watford supporters voicing their concern, and I think, like I mentioned about Sean Dyche leaving, it's well, they've come in, they haven't given him a chance, they haven't given the players a chance. If they've got money, can we not hang on to some of the better players? Um, so it did feel like a. I, I, th- I guess the question on on people's lips was, is it change for change's sake, and do they know what they're doing? Um, and they're valid, valid questions because, like you say, yeah, all, overnight the whole landscape changed and the appearance of our club changed, the appearance of the team changed. Who did we chant for on the on the first day of the season? Who were, you know, who was going to get us goals? Who was going to be our hero at the back? Who was going to be the midfield maestro? As it turned out, all those uh, all those questions were were soon asked. But yeah, it was it was um, into the new um, and into the unknown. But I think for the majority of people. It felt like a new start, but a necessary new start because, as as the months went on, as and as the gro- uh, growth uh, trust in the in the Pozzos grew, it also became more apparent the parlour state they'd taken over and how bad things were when they when they came in. So I think there was an acceptance that whilst um, it was weird, um, and it was certainly not the way Watford or any other club in in England had done things in the past, it was almost our only shot. And I think that helped people get on board perhaps a bit quicker. And then, of course, 
on the pitch things started to go click into place incredibly and that's when everyone else started taking uh, taking notice and taking pot shots you say new starts it was a new start um i think the first thing we can sort of be grateful for them uh, what the pots would ever give to us was they gave troy deeney a chance mm. you know he had had been away during the summer an extended break uh, uh and he wasn't sort of shunned away and if you really think about that first season we all know where it ended well not quite ended ended but the, the little bit before it ended properly was that playoff semi-final where he scored that goal and it's the, the it's not just him the fact he scored it but the fact he was there and he you know puts him in put him in Watford history where he could easily have not have been but that team of that first season Amuni makes a save Cassetti clears it to Akichianya who is this player who's been somewhere or another and the ultimate journeyman yeah uh, who plays it to the exciting Fernando Forestieri, who crosses it over to the cool, calm head of Jonathan Hogg, who heads it down to anybody in the middle. Thank goodness Matty Vidra, with Go all his flair, gets out of the way uh, and leaves it for Troy to, to smack in the back of the net. And I always think that, if you look at it like that, that was what that season was. You know, those players, a mixture of Italian experts, flairy young players and hard workers yeah. did something I think they'll, they'll be the first to admit that there was an element of luck in that coming together um, and I think uh, Zola was probably the right man for that job because I think everyone we spoke to that season without fail uh, mentioned how much respect they had for, for Zola he'd done you don't need to go back over over his playing career it was absolutely absolutely incredible and yeah, I think a lot of credit has to go to Gianfranco, and I think the um, I think the owners and and Scott and and everyone else involved at the club at that time would would admit they didn't want to do it that way, but they but they did, and it it was almost like a massive underscoring. We're starting again. We're going to go for this. We we mean business. We're gonna we're gonna do whatever we need to do to to turn turn Watford around. And you're right. That look, thinking back about that group of players, it was joyous, wasn't it? And you're right to mention Troy, and they had a very, very big decision to make whether whether they keep him on or not. And with hindsight, we should have asked him what that conversation was like. Did he have to interview for his job? Did he have to sort of, did he have to pitch his future to Watford? And did he have to explain what he was going to be like? Because he will, as everyone knows, that was a turning point, and everyone goes into a job interview and says, "I'm going to do this, that, and the other." Well, he obviously sold them on it, but he's done it as well. So, yeah. so massive credit to him. But yeah, he's probably saving that story for his book. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> but it would be fascinating, wouldn't you know? What, come on, then, Troy. Why should we keep you? Or whether it was yeah. there was never any question. But yeah, that'll come out in in due course, I'm sure. But yeah, that that moment, I remember that day, the the the, the Leicester day, and thinking, watching the other playoffs, and I think it was Doncaster, wasn't it, at Brentford? Yes. And, and there was pitch invasion. I was, I was there at Vicarage Road thinking. There hasn't been a pitch invasion here for ages. There hasn't been that sort of eruption of like incredible um, just emotion. Well, I wonder if we'll ever get that here in my lifetime watching Watford because most clubs don't get it. Most clubs don't get that. And then, of course, what un- unfolded unfolded. And, uh, you know, like everyone else, you still get goosebumps just thinking about it. And obviously I put myself in St John's Ambulance with my, with my celebrations <laughs> yeah. and had to be... Uh, had to be <laughs> Deep heat, massively embarrassing afterwards. Um, but yeah, it was, and that felt like right. We mean business. Not only was it, not only was it an extraordinary, unforgettable, you know, almost life-defining moment. It made it, that makes it worthwhile for every Watford fan. That that there would have been fine for the Pozzo era, if you like, for a generation. If we just had that, you're not going to beat that. I don't care. You know, it, probably if we were the Premier League, it won't feel better than that unless we do it like Man City did against QPR. So um, that felt like right. 
the journey is underway. They've already given us something. Yeah. This is going to be good fun. The uh, the moment two weeks later where we hadn't made it in the playoff final against Crystal Palace, actually, I remember being stood there going, that's fine. Yeah, agreed. This is still the beginning. We're absolutely fine. Before we move on from the first season, the only other moment from that season, which I absolutely will have with me forever, was Patocchio's goal, where they just passed it around. Yeah. And passed it and passed it and passed it and passed it. And that, that sort of, that's a different Watford. And that was an exciting Watford to, to, to see. We didn't quite see that the second season. No. And uh, yeah, the football was incredible. And you're right, the playoff final, just to, just to we, we, we zipped over that. But I made a point, and all my family wanted to leave, everyone wanted to leave. I said, right, I'm going to watch Palace win this, lift this trophy. I'm going to stay here and watch this because it'll make it better when we go up. Because I was so confident that after that season, right, if it's not this year, it will be next year. Um, and I felt right. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to take it on the chin. And I'm going to stand there, almost like the like the lions do with a hacker. You sort of face up, face up to the Kiwis, and take it on the chin. And say, right now, I can deal with this. And and I think I wasn't alone. I think the the the, the immediate response to that game was that of disappointment. But well, let's dust ourselves off and go again. This this isn't a one shot deal like it is for many people who get to play a final. Um, but then obviously, the, as you mentioned, the the second Pozzo season got going. And it wasn't quite as much fun. It just, um, you know, the Zola effect obviously obviously waned and that sort of, I guess, wave of excitement, optimism and confidence that had swept through the, the squad and the club for that first season evaporated pretty quickly and, yeah, it's it's, it's tough going. We had a lot of change again. And I think maybe the one thing we didn't do that season was keep things from one season to the next. You know, Vidra had gone, Abdi was major injured, and, and some players came in who just didn't quite mm. quite tick. Um, Zoda went after uh, the, the Yeovil game, the embarrassing Yeovil game. Uh, and then we had Beppe in, who basically for the rest of the season just steadied the ship. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it has to be said when, when Gianfranco left, I mean, it had gone from the, the highs of the wonderful football of the season before to, you know, real grotesque results. We, could, we couldn't score and, and even worse, we, we couldn't defend. And, yeah, that Yeovil game was the absolute epitome of it. I think it was, we lost 3-0 at, at home and, and the writing, to be perfectly frank, it was on the, on the wall before then. And it, we just felt like we were in a bit of a mess. We felt like we were in a place where everyone else said we were going to be when we brought all those new players in, in to start with. We looked disjointed, um, um, discombobulated. We looked um, like there was no plan. Um, Zola's t- tactics were, were being questioned. And yeah, Beppe was basically brought in um, to fix it in the short term, to make sure that things didn't go much further backwards. He had to shore up the back line and just and just keep us solid for the rest of the season, really. And it was it was pretty attritional a lot of the time under Beppe. But to, to give him his dues up until the the end of the season, which ended horribly, he probably did the job he was brought in to do. The the shocking thing was really, um, and probably the most surprising thing in the in the Pozzo era for me was that he 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 kept his job throughout the summer and started the next season. Yeah, and he didn't start. It wasn't a bad start to the next season. Uh, we had that his last game was that amazing four two. Uh, against Huddersfield, mm. um, with I think we had ten men, we were, and yeah. we were, and we, you know, two late goals, just got the rookery uh, yeah, singing, and every, you know, that was uh, that was probably the, the the start of what we now call the promotion season. There was the we're not going to go, don't have to go into it, but there was a the well the the only sort of moment for me where we weren't quite sure how they were going to be treating our football club um, and how things were going to go ahead was when the huge turnover of managers in a very short space of time. Yeah. Um, and that was in... not. I don't think because they'd earned enough by that point to, to know that they, they knew what they were doing. But there was a little bit in the back of the mind of going, OK, right, we're going to... 
it's not going to happen yet and it's going to be another season of like we had the previous year of, of maybe doing it but not not the step forward yeah. that we'd had under that first year under with Zola yeah. um, but then it did yeah I mean you're right I mean the Zola year felt so natural despite it being just starting that 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 year and if you thought when Eugene Pepe went, well, why has he started the season? We know he's not going to be really the man to take us, take us up. So why, why let, let's let's clear the decks in the in the summer and start again? Um, and then obviously when he did go, there was that flurry of of activity for for whatever reason. And um, I think looking back on it, you can understand why there was the, the 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 vast turnover. And what you do have to say is, while as Watford supporters, we stick up for the Potsos, but we do crave stability. We'd rather that didn't that little. That bit of activity didn't happen, and that that bizarre period and, and massive turnover happened. But ultimately, who came in and what did he do? They got it right, didn't they? Yeah, and we uh, we got our promotion. And what a season it was! Ultimately, yeah. I mean, that ki- ki- I remember standing in the kitchen at work talking to my brother, and this might surprise some of you who who, who remember me in the in the earlier years when I was slightly less um, positive about well, probably life in general. Actually, I'm a bit older <laughs> and a bit wiser these days. It was pre-Christmas under Slav, and I was Andy was saying, "Well, oh, my brother, uh, I think we might just sneak the playoffs." I'm like, "Do you know what? We're, we'll make it." And I'm on record actually <laughs> on the uh, Chelsea away in the FA Cup. Yeah, I said we'll go up automatically, and a lot of people didn't think we'd crack it, and we beat Fulham away five mm. nil. Incredible performance, they were down to ten men, obviously, but we it was an absolute consummate uh, performance. Really, really good, amazing day out, and we never looked back from that moment. And it was that. That run-in, that 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 sort of um, trip to to promotion was was great to watch. It was a it was a, a sort of a juggernaut of a side, and it just everything was working. And we all know what happened on the final day, which was which was obviously disappointing. But you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, we got the promotion, and that, and that side was was great to watch. And that 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 I'll always remember that that Fulham away game as uh, thinking. This is great. This is this is good. And then the other one was Brentford away that year, which was. I see. There were several games that sort of uh, take us to promotion for me. Um, the first one was that Fulham game, but that had to be after a terrible run where I don't think we won in no, that's four right. or five. Then it was the the Huddersfield away loss that yes. led to the Blackpool at home thumping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. At that point, I wasn't sure if it was going to continue because, like you say, the Fulham game was like, oh, this could happen. And then it didn't go away, but it wasn't quite there. But then it took the Bolton away game. Yeah, yeah. With the battle back that you go, yes, we can do it. Then there was the moments uh, over the Easter weekend where we scraped the draw away at Derby, Mm -hmm. thumped Middlesbrough, and then we were off. Yeah, all amazing moments and all absolute pivotal pivotal parts of that season and, and great memories and how quickly you forget mm. how quickly you forget but yeah that Huddersfield away and Bolton away we would say are the two linchpins almost of, mm. the, of the season if the Huddersfield one was hey up lads you're going to have to work harder yeah. than this to, if you want to go up you cannot um, you cannot shilly shally your way to promotion in the, in the championship um, you probably had, didn't know where Huddersfield was until you, till you turned up today well you do now um, and yeah they embarrassed themselves that day and then Bolton, just extraordinary, just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going, and, and got the win, and just showed they'd learned from that yeah. to deliver that. Um, it was almost like the, the first season, everything came too easy. Yeah, I agree. Or yeah. the memory is it came too easy. We expect it to be easy in the second year, yeah, and actually they learned in the third year, and this is how we 
we win and this is what we need to change to yeah. be a team that can get promoted yeah. which and we did yeah and that yeah they're just great moments wasn't it like yeah, yeah. like you say the away at derby and we felt like a team we felt like a team we felt like we were working together that that Huddersfield was the was the line in the sand and what was great was to see them learn from it yeah. develop and uh, yeah, and just turn into that sort of promotion-winning side that we that we love so much. Uh, that season, that, what, the, what did the Pozzos do for us? Well, they, they they gave us promotion, but also that season we had the opening of what is now the Sir Elton John stand, um, and I love that because even though they, they, they the, the first year with the lone players they made us a better team, I don't think it was until that stand where I absolutely one hundred percent one hundred percent felt that they had our club's future. Mm-hmm. But building that stand, creating something that was a foundation that they had put their foundation on this club as well in terms of... Well, they quite literally had to lay yeah, some foundation. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They'd done that and they were, they were in it for the long haul and they were investing in the, properly investing in the club, not giving us players on loan. And I think it, was, it wasn't until they, they started building that stand at the end of the first season... But it opened in, in, this, in, the, in the previous year after that. It took a while to, to, to finalise. That I knew this, this, they were in it for the long, long haul. Yeah, um, I, think, I think it's important to remember they were making improvements around the stadium before that as well. And they were yeah, but it's a, some... it was a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, look, I it, remember... We, we were a club that hadn't been properly looked after in many ways because we couldn't look after ourselves and doing the things around the ground. Yeah. But that's a big statement. It was, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I remember, um, I remember talking to... The great Graham Taylor uh, at, at Vickery Road, and it was an event. I think it might have been an at your place thing at, um, at Vickery Road, and he said it, it something along the lines of it shames us all that we have to sit here and look back over that, look at the the condemned East stand, and um, you know he was right. That was a that was a failing of the football club to end up with a three sided ground for whatever reason, um, and yeah, it's it's not an it's not an inconsiderable. Um, project to get that knocked down and built there's there's boring stuff like building restrictions because of occupation all sorts of difficult stuff not to mention the the, the massive um capital outlay so when to see that happening before our eyes was as you say it, it was like oh yeah look at this things are starting to happen and in tandem with the with the tide turning on the pitch as well it was it was like almost like illustrative of of what's happening to the club there's something's rising from the We've got the d- decaying, decaying old, decrepit thing that's that's only going one way to be replaced with with something shiny and and new. And then, of course, they called it the, the Sir Elton John stand and put those lyrics on the back, which aren't everyone's cup of tea. But you know, it's it was our our stand about our club, and it was yeah, it was just yeah to see it rise up in front mm-hmm. of our very eyes as the seasons progressed, as the teams progressed, and as they as as we grew as a team and as we got better, the stand got better and bigger. <laughs> Um, and now the, the stadium is, is, is as we know it today, and it's it's a great place to watch football. Another thing they gave us um, was was that was that stand and, and a, a much sharper, cooler looking stadium. You know the the, the two corners mm. and all the facility that it in, uh, especially with the Premier League uh, necessities. Um, and we've had you know really coming up to date now with them with the with these last two years in the Premier League. Overall, it's felt like progress. I know it can never be the progress that happened in the first and the, the third season, but we have had we are slowly now progressing again. The, the season ahead is going to be fine. The question I'm going to ask you, Mike, mm. is that of all the things they gave us, or they did for us, 
Are you still happy that they gave us the Premier League? Yeah. The first thing they gave Come us. Come on, we had those great things in the in the championship. We Nonsense. had those away games, the building, yeah, the yeah, battling. The first thing that they the most important thing that they gave us was hope. Because to go back to the start, we were in desperate. We were it was desperate. Um, the club was falling to bits, and I I reckon it was pretty close to going out of business. Oh, I do as well. So they gave us hope. They got virtually they gave us our club back, regardless of what they were going to do. Mm. We had a fighting chance again, which was which was great. So they gave us that. But then to move from taking the club from its knees to delivering what we see today, which you know I equate last year to almost to like the second, yeah, the second season. Yeah. It, it, it didn't quite click. It wasn't disastrous. It didn't quite deliver what everyone wanted to. But hey, you know that's that's the way football goes. You don't get every year. It can't be a stellar season. You can't have amazing years every year. But they've given us the Premier League. They've given Watford Football Club the Premier League. They've given. Um, and not, fl- not, not giving it in a flirty way, a flirting way, where no. you get a look at it when Graham Taylor's around. They've, given, they've made Watford the envy of clubs that have won the European Cup. Nottingham Forest, Aston Villa, um, and then you've got people like, you know, Derby, um, Huddersfield, Sheffield Wednesday, all these Leeds United. Birmingham. All, all these clubs with illustrious histories, uh, been there, done it, won this, won that. Watford have done it, why can't we? Watford have done it. Why can't we? Why is he signing for Watford? Why aren't we going in for that player? Why would he leave us to go there? Why is Marco Silva joining joining Watford? I just don't get it. Well, it's because we're a proper football club, run in a decent way, with obviously high aspirations, um, with an opportunity for a head coach to to make the job his own and uh, and have a really good run at potentially winning something somewhere along the line. So they've given us that. They've put us slap bang on the map. They've made us a footballing, not power, but they forced us into focus. People have to take notice of Watford now. I remember talking to Adam Leventai. He said, "I wish Watford were a bit more nasty. Yeah. I wish we didn't Put just trees, didn't, didn't just pootle along and um, and just sort of not offend anyone." And well, I think we're doing that now. Where people are people are taking notice and people are wanting to be like Watford. Why can't we go up and stay up like Watford, you know? And, and, it's, and it's the same at Bournemouth. Credit's due down there, and, and, and I guess Palace to a lesser degree. They, we've all come up in the, in the recent years. Burnley, it's, it's, it's magnificent. But I'd say of all those clubs, I think Watford have potentially got, got more hope of, of, of the rise continuing because I just think the way, the way we're run, if things do start going well, I think we can, we can continue an upward trajectory. So just to put us in the mind of people who would never have noticed Watford before or would have dismissed us as a sort of hokey little backwater of, of football and, yeah, they might win some games in the Championship and they might get promoted, but, yeah, we've seen that happen before. They'll come straight back down because Watford, with their little ground, will come straight back down again. Well, people have had to reconsider over the last two years um, and Watford are now viewed very, very differently and that is down to the Pozzo family. Also, you talk about the Premier League. I, for personally, I think the match day experience in the Premier League is brilliant. Mm. It feels like an event again. It feels closer, and this might sound a bit a bit weird, but closer to when I used to turn up at the ground with my dad and my brother as a wide-eyed little kid, and the sight of the pitch would make me go funny. <laughs> I just used to love it, you know, especially on Tuesday. But you get that now. There's a not for the lesser games perhaps some of the, the more d- d- dour games but if you turn up for most games in the Premier League there's that little 
thing in the air. You feel like you're at an important match. You know that the eyes of the world are on you. There's always TV cameras, which, yeah, okay, there's the t- the, the kickoff t- time change, times change and all that sort of stuff. But that's that's not what we're talking about. We have been propelled into. Uh, the footballing spotlight, and that's where I want my football club to be. That the thing about that that Leicester game that we talked about, the Deeney goal, is that everyone else on earth at this time is going to wish they were a Watford fan. Everyone, I wish I could have that. I wish I could watch my football club have that. I couldn't. You can't even dream it. And we're continuing to live the dream. And some dreams take take longer to deliver on on what you want them to do. Some some are in an intense hit of of joy like that um like the like the Deeney goal. Others are sort of more sort of slow burners, sort of lazy Sunday afternoon sort of chilling. You know what I mean? It's it's just we're we're where we want to be, and hopefully, um, we're, and we're building a base. That's what they've brought to us. They've brought us hope. They've brought us joy, and they've brought us a a future. I think what I've enjoyed about this, Mike, is is just sat reminding us. Riley, myself, and, and you know, talk about this, about everything they have done for us. Um, the little things are sort of flooding back to me now. Um, and that's, that's a great thing to be as a Watford fan, and you're absolutely right. I think the biggest thing they gave us was they, they gave us a club yeah. where it wasn't going to be here. That's the most thing that I think I'm going to keep hold of. Uh, and when you know, we, we talked about the five live interview that Scott Duxby did, and like you say, Bournemouth, I think if Eddie Howe went, would seriously wobble. Yeah. I think if Sean Dyche went, I think Burnley would seriously wobble. Um, I think if, as we know, any of our managers go, we don't necessarily wobble. There's a proper structure, support. It's a, a proper organisation now. Yeah, and I think you're right. You're right to mention Scott there because I think he deserves a lot of credit for all his his work along the way. I think you know the deal wouldn't, the Pozzos wouldn't have have taken over Watford if it if it wasn't for Scott. And I know. There were some issues with West Ham that left, left people initially a little bit concerned about uh, about Scott's um, introduction to Watford. But like the Pozzos, everything he's done, I think, pretty much has proved to be for the for the benefit of the club. And he's been there every step of the way as well. So I think it's important that if we're looking back over over the last five years, that that, that Scott Duxbury gets a, a very serious acknowledgement. Um, so there you go, Scott. There is your serious acknowledgement. <laughs> Thank you for all you've done, Mr. Chairman, as well, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, <laughs> a- absolutely. The future is going to be difficult. We, uh, you know, we're we're full of enthusiasm. It's June, um, so everyone, every football fan is at their most optimistic. No, no one's lost. No one's conceded. No one's got a terrible defensive record. No one's strikers are injured. Um, everyone thinks they might be able to do something, and, and we're no different. But but it feels like we're in with a shot, and going into a football season, that's all you want as a football supporter. That's all you can expect is to feel like you're you're in with a chance and you know without being too over the top about it you know that's what we've got and without without them we wouldn't have had it they it's a it's we're set up in in a situation where while they're there everything's okay and you'd like to think that if they leave and someone with good intentions takes over mm, yeah then they'll leave behind something a blueprint a club a situation a setup an infrastructure that someone if someone the right person takes over there's no reason it can't continue because that's you know that's the worry isn't it what what happens when they do go we're not going to talk about that today <laughs> because we're we're reminiscing and, and celebrating the the five years we've had but they they're running the club correctly they're running the club with a view to the future they're running the club with a view to obtaining success They've already, obviously, 
obtain success, but we'll see how Isaac gets on <laughs> gets on this season. Um, that joke's not going to go away, is it? It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> but you, you feel like you have to say yeah, it. It's just like yeah. a massive open open goal. If if you miss it, let's just hope Isaac doesn't miss too many <laughs> open goals. But look, yeah, the, the memories have been great. There have been ups, there have been downs. Um, you know, the, the, some of the transfers haven't hit the mark. Some of the managerial sort of issues we'd look we'd like to get the head coach issues we'd like to but they've learned yeah but you like to think that they're, they're learning the ground's looking good the team is starting to take shape we've we've signed will hughes which i think is a big um a big message talked about putting us on the footballing map there's people you know look on twitter will hughes he was you know he's been talked mm. about as, as going to premier league for a long time obviously he's had his injury and that might have curtailed his his um his chances a little bit but people say oh he's gone to watford well, that's they've done well there. That, yeah. That's good for them, and that's what they—that's what they've done. They've put us in the conversation, which it's just great. It's magnificent. It is, and and I tell you what, it's done, and perhaps the most most importantly of all, I'm I'm proud of Watford Football Club. I'm proud of my team, and I think the town is is proud of them as well. And this year of all years, when we lost Graham, I think I think that's important that everyone with a with a Watford crest on there on their replica shirt or their tracksuit or tattooed on their arm, wherever it is, <laughs> can walk around proud of their football club. And I think thanks to the, the Pozzos and thanks to Scott and thanks to the hard work of everyone who has been there during that, that five years, because it's not just them, you have to have a, have a good team there to, 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 deli- to, li- to deliver it. But I think as Watford supporters, we can be proud of our team and, and you, can't start, you can't ask for more than that. Thank you for listening to uh, this special uh, little podcast. Uh, get involved. Share your, your moments um, and your favourite things, uh, what you feel you've gained as a Watford fan since uh, Gino uh, took over. Yeah, take some time to think about the last yeah. five years because there's been... It's just, you know, you think about you think about the most immediate things. Away at Arsenal's great. Beating yeah. Man United's great. But the, diff- the problem we have is, and obviously no one, no one forgets Deeney uh, uh, against Leicester, but, you know, you're bolting away. Brentford away, even Brighton away, and they, they don't let those memories fade because they're great. But yeah, have a little think about the last five years and see if you can find any little nuggets uh, that, that we haven't perhaps discussed. And uh, let us know at Watford Podcast on uh, and Twitter and the same on on Facebook. And maybe if you've got a photo of it, Instagram, yeah. tag us in that Watford Podcast there. Uh, so this is uh, what have the Potzos uh, ever done for us podcast, and the answer is an awful lot. Cheers, guys. Yeah, thanks, Gino. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, everyone. Come on, you horns.